I'm journalist Carolyn Osorio, and I invite you to join me and my co-host, Brandon Morgan, on our podcast, Criminal Mischief. From law enforcement officers seeking justice to victims' families seeking answers, every week there's a new case and a new victim whose story deserves to be told. New episodes of Criminal Mischief drop every Tuesday. Hello everybody, welcome back to another brand new episode of Decoding the Unknown. As always, I'm your host, Simon. Welcome, 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 Katie has written me a script which I'm going to read. We're going to go through it together. That's what we do here. If you're new, it's called a cold read. We explore a mystery together. This one's Ghost Town, Portlock, Alaska. I love ghost towns, not because there's ghosts. You know, we don't believe in any of that nonsense. Or I mean, I'm I'm open-minded. I think that's the thing. I go into this show pretty open-minded. I'm a skeptical person by nature, but uh, I... I, I like being proven wrong. I mean, I don't, but I actively embrace it in my life because I know it's a positive character attribute. You know, it's like, no one likes to be proven wrong, but people who could adjust their opinions based on new information, I just feel are more rational and better people. So even though it's unpleasant, I really try to embrace that in my life, which is, uh, is am I making sense? Does that make any sense whatsoever? It's like, just try and like, it accepts that you could be wrong about stuff because then... You know, when more information presents itself, you know, like, no, it definitely is how I always thought it was. And it's like, but then you never grow as a person and become better, hopefully. That's at least, I don't know. It's my little goal in life. Why are we on this long ramble before we even get into this? Um, I was talking about ghost towns. I'm super into ghost towns. I love that idea. There's a guy uh, on YouTube. His channel's called Ghost Town Living. And he used, like, his life savings to buy an entire ghost town. I think it's in America. Maybe like the North, uh, like United States. I think it's in North United States or maybe Canada. It's got that Canadian vibe for some reason. Like, although I guess like North America is also quite, like the North of the United States is also quite empty. It's got that empty vibe. <laughs> and whenever I think of empty places, it's like Canada's real big and not a lot of people live there. But um, anyway, uh, yeah, let's just get into it, shall we? Before we uh, ramble on and people leave. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Missing people, gruesome murders, and a mysterious presence in the woods. It's ghosts are walking in the woods. It's Decoding the Unknown Classic, featuring cryptids, dodgy sources, and of course, a reality TV show. Woohoo! Uh, reality TV show by the History Channel? Um, I'm, I'm betting. I'm betting. That History Channel, what happened to you? You used to be cool. The Mystery. Let's gather around the campfire and I'll spin you a yarn about an old place called Portlock, Alaska. The Kenai Peninsula of Alaska is still a largely wild and natural place known for spectacular glacial fords, lush forests, and great salmon fishing. There are plenty of cities and towns on the peninsula, however, with the United States Census Bureau reporting a population of 58,799 people in April 2020. Wait, on the whole peninsula? That's not a lot of people. That's like a town or a very, very small city. Not contributing anything to the population total anymore, though, is the small ghost town of Portlock. Sitting on the northwest tip of the Kenai Peninsula is Portlock, which is also known as Port Chatham after the bay on which it lies. Once a thriving little place with a canning factory and even a post office, the whole town was abandoned seemingly overnight in 1949. 
Weird things seemed to plague the area, which the native Alaskan people uh, had always steered clear of. It wasn't until the late 18th century that anyone started settling the area after the cannery was opened in around 1900. The settlement grew and the post office was established in 1921. But bad things seemed to happen in Porlock. The residents had many stories to tell of a strange, malevolent presence in the woods. Parties of men had gone on hunting trips and disappeared, never to be seen again. In 1931, a man called Andrew Kamluck was found dead with heavy logging equipment that no human could lift as the murder weapon. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's not how you want to go. How were you murdered? With a weapon that someone just couldn't lift. That's just not going to be a good time. In the 1940s, dismembered and hideously injured bodies have been found floating in the lagoon or in rivers. Some sources have quoted up to three dozen deaths happening over a period of around 20 years. Occasionally, incredibly large bipedal footprints have been found in the woods, near death scenes of large animals such as moose, whose carcasses had also disappeared. Is there like some yeti in the woods? <laughs> I mean, I'm always like, I think like most of the time, the idea of like a Sasquatch or a Yeti or whatever, like abominable snowmen, are those all the same thing? Like, it's not very likely. But the idea of like some giant wolf, I mean, these things can happen. Like you can get like mutant creatures. Have you heard of a liger? It's a mix between a tiger and a lion. Like when a tiger and a lion, you know, get their groove on. And uh, I can't remember which way it round it goes, like whether it's the lion or the tiger that's the female. But either way, one way when it happens, you get an absolutely massive animal called a liger. It's bigger than the tiger. It's way bigger than the tiger. It's way bigger than the lion. And I'm like, okay. Like, and no, you know, this isn't like, I don't feel like everyone knows about ligers. I found out about ligers when I made a video a few years ago. And I was like, this exists? So the idea of like some sort of giant, deadly super wolf I'm not against that idea. The like a bipedal wolf or a bipedal creature doing this. I'm a bit like, well, we've never seen that, have we? But we've probably there's probably been giant wolves in, at times in history. There are giant people. I mean. That seems more logical and possible. Giant wolves. The cannery workers had upped and left. Although I'm not sure a giant wolf is going to be like wielding logging equipment. But let's see where this goes. The cannery workers at Upton left at least once before their final exodus due to the strange occurrences and mounting death toll, but had always been persuaded to return to work shortly afterwards. People who grew up in Portlock remember being told to stay away from the lagoon and the forest, as that's where the Nuntinuck, thank you for the pronunciation guide there, Katie, lived. From the glimpses and experiences of residents, it was agreed that it was a huge half-human, half-beast creature that walked on two legs, making it the Alaskan equivalent of Sasquatch or Bigfoot. One resident, Tom Larson, came face to face with the creature but lost track of it after running to fetch his gun. Trees had been uprooted and stuck back in the ground upside down, a calling card of the Sasquatch. And the Nuntinuk uh, wasn't the only paranormal game in town. Melania, Mel Melania Helen Kell, who is possibly the oldest living former resident of Portlock, also told newspapers such as the Homer Tribune that there was a white-faced woman who would appear by the cliffs wearing a black dress that was so long she would drag it. This apparition would scream and moan, then disappear back into the cliffs. As well as the screams of this ghost woman, other howls and eerie sounds could frequently be heard emanating from the forest. Um, this just sounds like the old woman's just like seeing some ghosts. So uh, as we always say, oh, I'm having a Starbucks there. I feel like I'm waving this around, but uh, very rarely there's a Starbucks near where I live. And uh, sometimes I go there in the morning to uh, get a coffee before I go to work. Very rarely it's like a treat for me. And uh, today is one of those days. It's Friday. It's been a long week. So uh, I'm enjoying a large cappuccino. 
I realize everyone just listening to this as a podcast is like someone I had no idea about that. I just want to explain because it, it looks like I'm waving it around like a sponsor. It's not. Although it would be great. Like I'd absolutely have Starbucks as a sponsor if you want. That'd be cool. By the time 90... 90- oh, sorry. I was what I was saying about the woman seeing the ghosts. I'm always like, you know, if you're seeing ghosts, step number one, get a carbon monoxide detector. Because, yeah, carbon monoxide poisoning leads to all sorts of brain issues. And, uh, yeah, it will kill you eventually. So, I mean, sh- even if you don't answer any things and you have a gas boiler in your house, go get yourself a carbon monoxide. I've got two in my office and I've got one at home. Um, yeah, they're really good. They'll keep you alive. Go get some. This PSA brought to you by Simon. Uh, by the time 1949 rolled around, the residents of Portlock had had enough of living in fear of the Nantanook and other spirits, and they abandoned the town wholesale to move to safer places up the coast. The postmaster remained there by himself for a while before the post office was officially closed in 1950 or 1951. <laughs> Why would you wait there? There's no one. No one's going to be posting. What are you doing? Collecting mail from like for people who left and then passing it on. That's got to be weird and scary. How many years are you there? for a while officially closed it's like a year or two which is insane oh i'm watching this new series on netflix called like archive 81 it just came up in my recommended so maybe it was like popular in my country and it's scary i watched the first episode last night and i'm like i need to watch something else afterwards so we watched some uh, my wife and i are watching that we started watching that because we were like watching the office us which i'd never seen i've seen the uk office years ago and uh, so we're watching the office us and uh, we're like we need some drama or something serious so we start watching archive 81 and then we finish it it's bedtime and i'm like we need to watch something else because now i'm scared (laughs) it's so intense but uh how is it related because this guy goes off like this postmaster to live in like the middle of nowhere to restore some like spooky old videotapes i don't know and as a kid who was scared less by the movie the ring with nicole kidman it's not nicole uh, when I was, I don't know, whenever that came out, I must have been like a young teenager. That was that scared the shit out of me. So I've got like, I've got issues around videotapes. Who doesn't? Well, me, I guess. Now all that remains of Portlock is a couple of rotting buildings and a sense of tension in the air. The area has been explored by people since the abandonment, and it's been common that they experience a feeling of an unease in being watched. A group of hunters in the 1970s, for example, came back with tales of something having stalked around their tents on two legs for three nights in a row. Cowards! Go out there and see what it is. In December 2021, a TV show set out to explore the ghost town of Portlock and see if they could uncover the truth of what lurked in the forest. No, it's not a History Channel production. Ah, come on! Sometimes I, I realize a very predictable nightmare. <laughs> Just become a very predictable person. Uh, production, but it might as well be, and, would begr- and we'll begrudgingly talk about it a bit later on. But first, begrudgingly probably because it's just a money spinning operation. But first, let's break down the urban legends surrounding Portlock and see where that leaves us. Here be monsters. What cannot be denied is that Portlock was definitely a busy town whose inhabitants upsticked and moved away pretty much en masse. Was it these disappearances and grisly murders that were the catalyst for them to do so, though? Well, probably not. If you read any articles about Portlock, a few repeat stories come up, and as usual, they provide vague details, and you end up with more questions than you do answers. So let's go through some of the strange events surrounding the town and see if we can get to the bottom of any of it. I'm betting, like, no one... To move house because of ghosts like i don't know i've done i I do this other podcast called the casual criminalist where it's like people are being stalked by murderers and then they leave their houses and stuff but there's not not been any and there's definitely been no decoding the unknowns where it's like yeah we had to move because of ghosts 
if anyone says that, it's always like there's another reason there. There's something like there's actually someone, you know, living in your attic and murdering your children, that kind of stuff. That's the normal, like, fare for moving house or just needing an extra bedroom. Uh, but like because ghost, that's a huge commitment B- selling your house and leaving town and work and whatever there's going to be another reason why all the people left town like the cannery closed and you know this kind of thing there are some names mentioned in the stories bandied about between websites in fact there are generally only three people named murdered andrew camluck nantanak eyewitness tom larson and former resident melania helen kell presumably no relation to helen keller <laughs> That is a stretch, Katie. But okay, she saw the ghost, this cow woman. But her name is completely different, and it's just a first name. Uh, I started looking for more information about Andrew Kamluk, but most places where his name crops up are just repeating the same story of having him hit in the head with some logging equipment. Apparently, it was a ten-foot pole or a log or a piece of machinery that could not have been moved with human hands. And that's all there is. There's no other news trace of the story of an Andrew Kamluk dying prematurely or under mysterious circumstances. The only Andrew Kamluk I found was actually born in 1931 when this person was supposed to have died. Sure, maybe it was the deceased Andrew's son, but it seems a bit weird that there's no mention of the dad anywhere, especially if the death was related to cryptid lore. Yeah, what are the chances? And it's like, what, so he just happened to die as the same year as his son was born? I mean, it's of course possible, but it just adds a little extra unlikeliness and then this person existed and there's going to be records like if he's murdered by like logging equipment in the woods i mean they had police records in the 1930s someone would have looked into that and found it but instead we're just repeating the old story that people find on google like that's what people do they just you know they read an article and it's like they make it and there's very little skepticism or you know critical thought put into it I like to think that I bring a little bit of critical thought to these tales. So what can we deduce here? I'm thinking that this Andrew Kamluk is not a real person, or his name was attached to someone else by accident. Uh, This other person may have had an accident or been murdered, but if he was, it was elsewhere, and I don't think it was the Andrew Kamluk of the legend. Agreed. Yeah, same page. The other potential lead is Tom Larson. He comes into the story as a fisherman who happens upon the Nanticoke knock on the beach, runs to get a gun, and then returns either to find it gone or just chickens out and lets it leave, depending on which story you read. This is just a word-of-mouth anecdote that's been hanging around for a few decades with no evidence or proof, so I don't really know how much time or credence we can devote to it. I know Simon just said none, <laughs> I'm inclined to agree. Yeah, it's just a made-up story. So far, The most compelling bit of evidence was the man being murdered in the woods by the giant piece of logging equipment. But now we find out that there's no police records of this, that there's no real evidence that that ever happened. So I'm like, well, that didn't happen. And honestly, two pages ago, I was like, well, I don't believe that the woman saw a ghost. And I don't believe that this guy saw a Sasquatch. Uh, The other repeat name in this story is Donald Trump's wife, Melania (laughs) Allen Kell. Just kidding. I'm saving her for a bit later on, though, as there is some extremely interesting additions to her story. Some people have mentioned the Alaska Triangle in relation to the Port Lockdale. The Alaska Triangle is the younger and more socially awkward sibling of the Bermuda Triangle, a triangle area over Alaska, funnily enough, where people go missing at twice the usual rate for the rest of the country. That could just be because it's Alaska. People go missing more often. I feel like Alaska is where people go to go missing. I'm watching that. It feels like I watch a lot of TV lately, but I I really don't. (laughs) I watch maybe an hour of TV a day. Um, because I have young kids and I go to bed at like nine. Oh my god, I'm super. This is another reason I'm having coffee today. I got about four fifteen. My bloody kid just wakes up. Now we're potty. She's still like potty training. Like we trained her over Christmas using this. Did I talk about it on this show? I think I might have talked about it on my other show. I'm sorry that like I get disjointed with my stories. Also, I don't sleep enough. And uh, she just she now knows 
that she can get me out of bed if she says she needs to pee because then it's like I'll take her to the bloody toilet. <laughs> it's like 4.15 and then she's like, I'm not going back to sleep. And I'm like, why? It's four. <laughs> ah! uh, so that's another reason I'm having that big Starbucks today. Um, why on earth am I talking about this? I'm just real sorry. I'm just a mess today. It's not hard to see why the Alaska Triangle covers such a huge area of the state, rife with inhospitable terrain, ranging from dense forests to icy mountains. So if people are going to go missing, it's in an area like this as rescue becomes harder the more remote the place. There's also been paranormal links to the Alaska Triangle with alien activity and cryptid sightings in the area, but take a quick look at the map and you'll see that the Kenai Peninsula does not fall inside these supposed lines, so we can at least rule out that as the reason for all the weirdness, unless the triangle is bigger than its currently recognized boundaries. Well, good news. I mean, good news. We don't really have to think much more about it because it's obviously not real. Like, even the Bermuda Triangle is not a real thing. I made a video about that. Even That is that would be perfect for decoding the unknown. We could probably go deep on uh, Bermuda Triangle if you guys want it. Let me know in the comments. But I made a video on one of my other channels about uh, the Bermuda Triangle. And it's like, yeah, there's nothing special about it. No one really even 100% agrees where it is. And there's definitely not more planes and boats going missing there. And there's definitely no weird giant squid in the ocean. Although there are definitely weird giant squids in the ocean. They're just not sinking ships in the Bermuda Triangle more than they are other places. So, I, and, and honestly, I don't think big giant squids are sinking many ships, to be honest, if I'm frank. So, what about all of the other missing people and the mutilated bodies that washed up all over the place? Surely that would spook anyone enough to believe in the supernatural, or at least that there was a true psychotic serial killer in the midst of town. Yeah, 100% in, believe in psychotic serial killers. They are around the place. Most of them are probably not getting caught. And they're murdering people. Like, all those missing people that go missing. Sure, some of them just didn't like their lives anymore. But, I don't know, I reckon most of them, maybe not most of them, but a lot of them, they've just been murdered by serial killers that we've never found. Not abducted by aliens. Not murdered by paranormal ghosts. Just people killing people because there are psychos out there. You want to nerd more about that? Casual Criminalist is the show for you. You want to be terrified about your kids getting murdered? <laughs> I don't even like it. Alaskan historian Brian Weed went on the record. Great name. <laughs> went on the record with radio station KINY in 2018 to state, We know that there are reported murders in the area. They called them murders, but they also included people that just went lost in those reports. We're not talking about a dozen people. We're talking like three dozen people. If we have a serial killer in the area at the time, they took a lot of people in the course of, say, 20 years. I mean, yeah, definitely possible. Also, that's... Is that an ex over 20 years? Is that a truly extraordinary number of people to go missing in like the state where lots of people go missing or go to go missing? It's Alaska. Guys, let's uh, maybe Casey will do some stats for us. So that's a lot of deaths, except they don't appear to have actually happened. Oh, okay, so it is a lot of deaths. I mean, it is a lot of deaths, right, in a small area. Um, but apparently not. Now, I'm not so, so sure where Brian was getting his information from, but there's been no news coverage of any kind of this sort of thing coming out of the Kenai Peninsula at the time we're talking about, say the 1920s to 50s, or actually, well, ever. Uh, you would have thought that if a large group of people had disappeared, or if this was a regular occurrence, there would be some record of it somewhere. There was a factory school and a post office at Portlock. It wasn't as though it was completely devoid of communication with the outside world. And even though the 1920s was a century ago now, newspapers and magazines were in full swing and the radio had started broadcasting to the public, so big stories would have been out there for people to see or hear. Yeah, and there'd definitely be like press clippings from back in the day or newspapers and archives like on microfiche or whatever um, that's probably now on the internet and all that stuff. This would be 
we'd be able to look into that for sure. If so many people are going missing, there's going to be news. There's going to be police reports. There's going to be, you know, people complaining about their family members just going missing in the woods, <laughs> getting murdered. Luckily for me, people with more dedication and willingness to subscribe to newspaper archive sites, there we go, have already combed through the Alaskan papers for any hints of deaths, disappearances, or murders in Portlock or Port Chatham for decades leading up to the 1950s, and have found not a sausage. No dismemberments, no disappearances, not even an Andrew Kamluck to be had. Only one death was reported as coming out of Portlock, and that was described as an accident. Was this Andrew Kamluck? We don't know. There were no further the details given. In fact, given that most of the people working in Potluck were fishing, mining, logging, or canning, one accidental death in a few decades seems almost unbelievably low. Yeah, like, I don't know. <laughs> working in a 1920s canning factory in Alaska. I mean, I don't imagine they're gonna have, like, that uh, health and safety there every week, being like, ah, make sure that's okay. Did that guy, he always got his fingers chopped off. It'll be like, no, no, no. Half the people are missing fingers. They, they, and there's loads of fingers in cans with the salmon. It's, uh, it's 1920s Alaska canning factory. <laughs> it's not safe. But if there was a big cover-up, why didn't it make the papers after everyone had left and wouldn't it fit, and wouldn't have felt so inclined to keep the secret anymore? How do we even know about these events in the first place? Unfortunately, there's no definitive source for the start of these alleged deaths and disappearances, which leads you to believe that they are conflated and misremembered events at best and just downright fiction or lies at worst. I think, as with many things, I've got a couple of things I want to add here. One is that the more people you try to get to keep a secret, like if that's something suspicious going on in that town, and it's not a small town, there's a school, so there's plenty of kids and a post office and a factory. There's, uh, I don't know how many people are living there. But for all of them to keep the secret, now uh, for all of their lives, and now they're all dead, and for none of them to be like, a deathbed confession or just talk about it later or you know whatever it's just really unlikely it's why we know now that the moon landing is not fake like maybe in the 1970s the moon landing i i wouldn't have been skeptical i don't think but i can see why people would be skeptical in the 1970s because it's very recent and people are being kept quiet but now plenty of those people who were involved in if there was a cover-up it would have involved hundreds if not thousands of people and now many of those people would, have been, would be dead and that none of them would make a deathbed confession or just come out later and just take the hit with reprisals from, I don't know, whichever American three-letter organization is like keeping them quiet about this, you know, is just so unrealistic now that it's so much later. So now I'm like, yeah, the fact that no one came out and said that it was fake is just like, okay, so it's real. And I feel this same thing applies here on a much smaller scale. There was a second thing I wanted to add, but I can't... Oh, no, no, no. And that's also just the self-perpetuating. So, like, someone somewhere on some weird website is like, there was this town in Portlock, Alaska, and these people went missing. Dozens of them. And then another website will be like, according to, like, unknownmysterynet.com, they'll be... And then it's like, yeah, but unknownmysterynet.com. I hope that's not a real website or I'm going to get sued. Uh, it's just making their shit up, aren't they? And then another website is using it as a source. And the next thing you know, it's on bloody Wikipedia. <laughs> it's probably not. Wikipedia is super reliable. And if someone put it on there, there'd be a wiki mod to be like, that is not a reliable source, is it? <laughs> 
is it? Let's move on. But there had to be some reason for people to start believing in this Nantanook, right? Bigfoot sightings in North America are highest on the West Coast, with Washington and British Columbia being two popular spots, so why not the densely forested and sparsely populated Kenai Peninsula? There are many anecdotes originating from former Portlock residents or their relatives or friends of relatives of residents, etc. Oh my god, when it's like your brother's cousin's uncle's dad. I'm sure that makes absolutely no sense. But then it's like, yeah, but that's not that that's just the same as you reading in a paper or a book. It's they're not related to you anymore. That's so far removed. Uh, that agree that there was something weird in them Dara woods. It's cool to think that them that might be true, but no convincing story or evidence has come out of this area. We have decades-old word-of-mouth tales about catching a glimpse of something or some bad smell or a missing animal carcass with big old footprints beside it, but no visible trail to follow. Oh yeah, and I forgot. It's because these forest beings are supposed to actually live inside the trees. What? <laughs> Who made this? I'm instantly like someone made that. They live inside the trees. I don't know if most... I don't know if like whoever wrote that is aware of this, but most trees are solid. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Some trees are big hollow things at the bottom. But I mean, how many trees is that? If you go to a forest, how many trees are big enough for you to get inside? I'm going to guess on your average walk through the woods. The answer is zero. So how do they fit in there? And what about that upside down tree that I mentioned near the beginning? This is totally inexplicable, right? Well, sorry... Uh, a bit of a Reddit, but a bit of a Reddit dive brought up sheepish explanations of backhoe drivers and construction workers who would do this to mark places or even just to mess around. So while we can't discount the activity as having been carried out by a cryptid, real-life humans have already admitted to doing it. Logging was carried out in the forest around Portlock. Remember the possible death of Andrew Kamluck, or maybe someone on that crew did it. Yeah, okay, maybe he was murdered. And if there's trees upside down, I'm not instantly like it's the wolf beast. I'm like, okay, some logger thought it would be funny or had a specific reason to turn a tree upside down it's weird but okay dude whatever you're into man you want to turn some trees upside down all right <laughs> up to you i don't instantly jump to like weird animals doing it as you know what exists people you know what doesn't exist weird bipedal wolf creature i mean maybe but there's no evidence of it yet is there <laughs> simon the upside down trees are evidence that's not how evidence works <laughs> not evidence former residents who were children when portlock was still alive claimed that they were they were always warned to stay away from the forest because of the nantanook yeah of course they were if my kid kept going into the forest and i told them don't go into the forest it's dangerous there could be like rapists and pedophiles in there (laughs) and they'll be like dad what's a pedophile be like there's monsters in the woods okay (laughs) i mean literally true not lying also, I don't know if pedophiles hang out in the woods. It's probably more schools, isn't it? <laughs> this has been alleged to mean half man, half beast in the local dialects, but apparently this is not the case. It actually derives from a similar word, Nantina, which means something more akin to a people stealer. It's more likely for people to warn their kids that a child catcher will get them if they stray too far than some sort of paranormal forest wild man but as folklore and legends grow meanings get altered relevance gets put on to wrong things and now a basically made-up word is believed to mean the alaskan sasquatch and how long are these things supposed to live people are visiting portlock even now to try and get a glimpse of the fabled fabled nantanak but would it be the same one as from the original abandonment as i've broached the subject i guess it's time to talk about the show subtly named alaskan killer bigfoot Mm. Mm. i hate this i hate all of this this bull money spinning history channel style shows and no it's not a history channel thing it's on discovery plus and full disclosure i've not described to subscribe to discovery plus 
for purposes of this story, that's okay, Katie. Honestly, I didn't really know much about Discovery Plus. I don't have Discovery Plus. I already have, like, there's so many subscription services. Somehow, I realized the other day I'm paying for three individual music subscription services. And I'm like, but it's all the same. It's not like they have different shows. <laughs> it's all the same. Oh, my God. Well, I subscribe to YouTube Music because it comes with YouTube Premium. I subscribed to Spotify because I've subscribed to Spotify forever. And then I got Tidal because I got a nice pair of headphones and I wanted to listen to uh, Tidal as like uh, high quality CD quality music. And um, yeah, now I'm paying for three. So somewhere I'm paying like 20 something bucks a month for music. I don't know how this happened. And I'm not paying for Discovery Plus. I'm not getting that. Especially with shows like Alaskan Killer Bigfoot Sasquatch. No one gives a sh- uh, I know people have got annoyed in the past that I didn't watch every episode of The Curse of Oak Island prior to the Oak Island episode, but you know, life is short and I think the free clips you can see on YouTube more than tell the story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> anyone who's blaming Katie for not watching The Curse of Oak I didn't watch The Curse of Oak Island, I never will, because I'm fairly sure it's going to be shite. Uh, and it currently is ranked 5.5 on IMDb. Savage. Uh, <laughs> 5.5 on IMDb is truly awful. Uh, the Internet Movie Database, my go-to for all TV and movie ratings, so even less reason to fork out for yet another subscription. This is a very recent show, with the first episode being aired in December 2021. Wow! A group of men set off on an expedition to Portlock to try and unravel the mystery of the Nantanurk and ostensibly to see where the Portlock can be resettled. But you know, it's only really for the Bigfoot stuff. Why would you want to resettle a town that had a canning factory? There's a reason that it went away. Why would you resettle it? Just make a new town somewhere else with more useful stuff. Ghost towns are ghost towns for a reason. Although I really do enjoy that Ghost Living Town channel where the guy's like, he bought that ghost town. But I'm like, why? (laughs) It's like, it's interesting. But that sounds terrible. Uh, before they go, a village elder sends them off with news that the uh, that the being killed three dozen of his ancestors, and he believes it's still there. Stay away from the woods. Stay away from the forest, he warns. But then, what's the point in them going? If they don't venture into the woods at least a little bit, it's going to be a pretty dull show. There are other clips from former residents saying that they were told to stay away from the lagoon area, which I guess when you're... Uh, an unattended child is probably common sense, but if you've got to stay away from the forest and the lagoon, there isn't much of Portlock that you really can go to. The nearby mine? <laughs> it's like, yeah, children, stay away from the forest and the lagoon, but if you want to play in the abandoned mine, at least there's no ghosts in there. Just lots of dangerous machinery and pitfalls and cave-ins and, I don't know, disease-causing stuff. It's a mine. That's a thing. Also probably not a good idea, agree. Anyway, these intrepid explorers have given themselves 40 days to check out Portlock, which is a very long time if you ask me. A week probably would have been enough. It's not a very large place. Yeah, sometimes I go to cities. You know, you like go there, but I mean pre-COVID or whatever. And you go there and you're like, you're there for a weekend and you're like, Sunday afternoon, you're like, well, it's, I think we did everything that is of interest to us. And Portlock isn't a city. Do they find evidence of Bigfoot, Nantanook, Sasquatch, or Squatch, as those in the know like to call him? Well, I don't know. As I previously admitted, I haven't seen the whole show, but I'm going to go with no. <laughs> as, well, they're j- as well as there just not being anything to find, they act in a contradictory manner when some possible thing does occur. For example, they're stumbling around in the woods one night when, a- uh, when one with a torch says, I saw an eye shine. Oh, great. A potential sighting. What to do, chaps? Get the night vision equipment out uh, and keep rolling the camera so the world can get a look at a real, honest-to-God cryptid. No, the next thing they do is say, let's get out of here, with the producer yelling at them in their earpieces to get away, so they hot-footed out of the woods, not chased by a giant hairy man. Yeah, it's probably a deer or something, guys. 
And I, the problem is that doesn't make good television. But a producer yelling in their ears, Get out of there, guys! Get out of there! I'm not responsible for this! Is, uh... That's nah, just ridiculous television, isn't it? <laughs> it's 5.5 on IMDb. There's also some forest guide who looks like Alaskan Crocodile Dundee, whatever that would be. Nantanuk Dundee. Oh, I've got it. Squatch Dundee. Obviously, he has the hat and everything, and he comes with pearl out with pearls like... These beings, they can energize inside a tree. And with the most impressive thing being that everyone manages to keep a straight face. It's like, this guy's gotta be an actor, right? He's like from like, oh, what's that one they always... Central casting, isn't it? Where they go to like hire actors for, for shows. It's, it's, you know, this guy, they're just like, we need a guy who looks like Crocodile Dundee, but for Sasquatches. And then the, the you know, the, the, the casting director's like, I'll go find a guy. Because it's not real. It's not real, allegedly, in my opinion. Okay, enough time dedicated to this tomfoolery, but I thought I'd mention it, as it shows that the story of Potluck is still alive and kicking right up to the present day. In addition, I'm genuinely sorry for crapping all over the TV show and the stories of the Nantanuck in general. I like to believe that there is room for unexplained things. I enjoy magic and mystery, and really deep down, I would love to have some sort of non-scary encounter with a being that cannot be explained. Yes, I would also like this. I would like... This would be very interesting to me. I'd assume that I'm going crazy... Um, but I, I, I don't know. That would be cool. I'm definitely into that. Same. Just don't think it's very likely. And so I'm gonna be, Simon, you've just got to open your mind to that being possible. I'm like, that has no bearing on whether it happens or not, like, in a real sense. <laughs> it just hasn't happened yet, and the stories I read for this piece have not convinced me that anything, uh, any further this being exists. I also went down a rabbit hole of people's experiences with similar things in other places near Portlock, and again, just not convincing enough. There's a lot of... I wish I'd taken a picture and things like that, I suppose, which might not be at the forefront of your minds when coming face to face with a large hairy creature, but we have the technology to make this happen. My own neighborhood has set up night vision motion activated cameras in some wildlife areas around and you see all kinds of cool stuff, including once a real life man having a poo. <laughs> That's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, generally, it's like if I'm in the woods and it's like I need to take a shit, I'm generally assuming there's not cameras around because I'm in the woods, but then they do have those wildlife cameras, don't they? I was taking a walk the other day i have like a, a holiday house in the forest and i'm like taking a walk and there's this big na nature reserve where you can't go and one of the signs must have been like broken or lost because the next thing i know it says you're leaving the nature the the restricted nature reserve and there's a fence like enough you know just a barrier you know you easily get past it or whatever but you're not supposed to walk in there i'm like oh <laughs> how long have i been walking in the protected area for and then i'm like well there's no cameras and now i'm like wait do they have cameras in the woods <laughs> All the tales from hunters describe general feelings of unease, strange noises that they're too scared to investigate, and things moving outside their tents which, again, they are too scared to investigate. This leaves us with the big, fat nothing. Nantanook aside, there are some big animals on the Kenai Peninsula, including brown bears, black bears, wolves, and moose. I always want- moose is such a weird plural. I feel like it should be meese or something, or mooses. That also sounds horribly wrong. But it's weird that moose is the plural of moose. Like, with mice, that sounds fine. No, mouse is the singular of mouse. <laughs> you big brain whistle. But the stuff where it sounds okay, like, ah, fish. There's not fishes, there's just fish. Mooses. Mooses, that could be better. Uh, which can grow to be enormous. These animals are probably also the sources for any weird noises coming from the area. I mean, if you've never had heard one before and then you hear a fox screaming outside your window at night, oh my god, it's so scary. I grew up in the countryside and there were always foxes around and you're like, this is such a scary noise, it sounds like a baby crying. 
uh, you're going to shit yourself. It's so scary. I listened to one story of a camper who had movement outside his tent and then her female voice is speaking in his language, but he couldn't understand them. This was accepted as proof of the Nantilax. In my mind, though, I just thought it's a couple of women outside, maybe hunters themselves. They are. There are different dialects even on the Kenai Peninsula, and if you're scared and bundled up in a tent, you may not have been able to make sense of it, even if it was a language you're familiar with. But yes, when you get into these stories, you're in, entering confirmation by a city, as any detail is accepted as positive proof of Sasquatches. Going back to the named sources in the Nantinuk mythos, here is the most significant one. The other person who crops up frequently is the Portlock story. In the Portlock story is Melania Helen Kell. Okay, yeah, going back here. Melania Kell was interviewed by the Homer Tribune in 2009 and spoke through a translator named Sally Ash, who was also her cousin. While there were no was no specific direct quotes from her in the piece to confirm it, it strongly implies that the reason everyone left Portlock was because of their fear of the Nantanuk. Because this was published in a paper, it seems that that was enough to be held aloft as ever since as definitive proof of the evidence of large, hairy, murderous creature. Yeah, people who think that don't understand what proof is. But what gives Melania? Could it be that she was actually just pranking everyone? In a piece published on the Anchorage Press's website in 2021, journalist and self-proclaimed Bigfoot enthusiast Darren Harp Daddy Smith did some digging and went to a first-person witness of the Homer Tribune interview, the translator Sally Ash. Sally did confirm her belief that there was some sort of Bigfoot-esque creature in the woods around Portlock, and that the place definitely had a creepy vibe to it. Her mother had told the stories as she was growing up, and her brother had apparently had a close encounter with a hairy man-thing that smelled really bad and looked really scary. To conclude the story, she said, He wasn't sure if it was a Bigfoot, but there was a horrible smell. Okay. So some woman believes in this stuff, and then she tells a story to a newspaper. She's just telling a story. It doesn't have to be true. We can't take it as fact just because it's published in, a, in, the, in the news. There's, that, there's such a brilliant example of this that is so enjoyable. Uh, there's that actor Robert Pattinson. Uh, you probably know him. He's been in a bunch of stuff. Unfortunately, most notable for the Twilight movies, although he's definitely done better stuff than that. And he, he famously hates the Twilight movies. Um, but he's being interviewed on a morning show in America. He's, and he's just... And the interviewer asked him, like, can you tell us? He was doing this. It was about, he'd made a show about a circus or a movie about a circus or something. And the interviewer's like, can you tell us about a story from your past about the circus? And he just tells this story about how he was a kid. He was traumatized and he's still got trauma today about clowns because the clown car came out. You know, there's the clown and he's in his tiny car and it catches on fire and the clown can't get out of the fire, out of the car and he burns to death. And how Robert Patterson has this like um, trauma around this happening when he was a kid and the interview is like oh my god and then there's another interview with him a few weeks later where someone asks him a question about this and he's like nah i just made that up i was just bored <laughs> it's like this is the same sort of thing where someone would just see the first interview and be like yes a clown has died in a fire in a clown car it's proof because robert pattinson said so in that interview and that's the problem that's not proof that it happened that's just one person making up a story on the news. Just because it's on the news doesn't mean it's real. Robert Patterson was just having a laugh. And what an absolute legend for doing that. And he was he was interviewed about it later. He was like, no, I was just, I'd done loads of these like morning shows and they always ask these super vapid questions. So I just started making it up. <laughs> I'm like, you legend. With such compelling proof as that, oh yeah, the, the woman's son with a horrible smell and then she thinks it's all real. It's such a mystery why this creature has remained undetected to the wider world for so long. 
Although in this case, I'm thinking that maybe it was someone living rough in the woods who really just needed to take a bath. Anyway, there was a reason we were talking about Sally Ash. When asked about the interview her cousin Melania had given, she basically rips the complete out of it. Kudos to Harp Daddy for reporting this, as it directly contradicts any faith he might have had in the original article. Sally told him, Melania kind of made up a story because she was getting tired of people asking if this story is true. <laughs> it's exactly like Robert Pattinson. She made up this story about how Bigfoot was killing people. It wasn't true. Everybody knows that, but it was not our place to say any uh, to say nothing. Sick. Uh, we all knew, but we couldn't just stop her. We were brought up in a way where we can't tell our elders they're wrong. And a bit later, she confirms again, just in case there was any doubt. There was me and my sisters and my cousins, and we all just sat there. We couldn't tell her, don't say that, Melania, because she might get mad at us. We were younger than her, and we were not allowed in front of her to say anything like that. Melania knew that. We knew about her, st- uh, about her story that she made up, and we all had a laugh about it with her. <laughs> so yeah, she just made all that shit up. Brilliant. Melania... What the heck? In an effort to get people to stop asking her about it, she basically confirmed everyone's wildest incorrect beliefs. I think this means we can probably ignore that ghostly cliff woman as well. Yes, we can. I ignored her from literally page two today. Are we at the end yet? Yes! Nearly. The biggest mystery left is the real abandonment of the town of Portlock. Ooh, facts! Here we go. The abandonment. So, if a bloodthirsty hairy man doesn't scare all of the residents of Portlock off, what really happened? Well, as you may have expected, it's just the way of the world. Portlock was located way down on the bottom of the Kenai Peninsula, which was great when ships were coming to and from the area with supplies and trade and whatnot. But in the 1940s, the Alaska Route 1 highway was built, which made it far easier to transport things to and from the peninsula. The route didn't make it all the way down to the quite inaccessible Portlock, so it and other small towns that weren't near the highway were abandoned as there was no reason to stay there anymore. Shocking that it would be abandoned for an economic and logical reason. Former residents just upped and moved a little further up the coast and started again from there as those towns were now doing really well thanks to the new transport links. The school and factory closed down and the postmaster stayed on. Just him and whatever might have been in those woods until he was finally given leave to shut up shop a year or so later. That I'd hate that job, just being the postmaster in an abandoned town in the middle of nowhere. Oh my god. <laughs> Also, according to, and, and they're like, yeah, that's your job. You have to stay there. You have to. It's your job. Be like, oh, I want to quit, but I need this job. Also, according to Alaskan census information, Portlock only reported 31 inhabitants in 1939. Presumably, factory workers lived elsewhere and commuted into Portlock, but the number of permanent residents was so ti- was tiny, so it wasn't really a mass move to people, and they didn't end up having to move very far. It also was probably done over a period of time, not everyone leaving on the same day because of the boom of these other places on the peninsula. It's very poss- probable that Portlock wasn't the only small town that was abandoned in this way around the same time. Okay, so yeah, our postmaster's really not there all alone. Everyone's leaving over time, and he's just the last one to pack up shop and leave, I guess. Another quote from Sally Ash confirms once again that it was the prosaic rather than the paranormal that hastened Portlock's decline. People would see Nantanak, but that wasn't the real reason why people moved this way to Seldovia and Nanwalak. They moved because of the economy, schools, and the church. There really was no killing of people. Thanks, Sal. I believe we can file this one away as having been thoroughly decoded. But you can always go and check out the remains of Portlock for yourself and see if you can find anything big afoot. Ah, ah, ah. Yes, uh, I'd quite like to go to Portlock. I like ghost cities, ghost towns. It's kind of fun. Like, you get to go explore. I went to that one in uh, near near Chernobyl. Uh, Pripyat, the, the town that was abandoned after Chernobyl. That was, that was exciting. 
Uh, anyway, this has been an episode of Decoding the Unknown. Thank you so much for watching or listening. If you're listening on the podcast, please do consider leaving a review. That would be fantastic. If you're on YouTube, like, comment, subscribe, all of that cliched stuff. And I'll see you next time. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.